Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to a day of prayer. We are continuing with our morning Bible study. We'll be at First Samuel chapter five. We're going to have Layla open us up in prayer. Go ahead, sweetie. Lord, I thank you for today and for your word, Lord. And I ask that you'll give everybody an open heart, Lord, so that we can receive your word, Lord. And I forgive everybody, Lord, and I hold no odd against anybody, Lord. And I ask that you'll forgive me for all my sins and for being unforgiving, Lord. Not mm -hmm. quick to let them go, Lord. Mm -hmm. And I just cover every situation in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I let you take care of everything that we need, Lord. We cast our cares upon you, Lord. And we trust that you have us and that you'll protect us, Lord. And I thank you for your word today, Lord. And for the people listening and watching, Lord, and that they can get something out of it as well, Lord, and that you'll minister to their needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. So if you're joining us for the first time, we are doing our morning um, daily devotional and Bible study. This is something we do Monday through Friday throughout the week, and we spend time with the Lord as a family we have our own individual time, but we also do it together. So we just want to bring you all in and let you see or hear what we're doing. Amen. Amen. Yes, so welcome. We didn't come here to, to hear us talk about what we have going on. We came to study the Word, right? Mm -hmm. So let's get to it. We're beginning in First Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. Who would like to volunteer to read? All right, Kyla. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to Ebenezer, from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon falling on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon falling on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Mm -hmm. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any of those who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Uh, verse 6 two, please. Okay. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. There's a lot. There's Bless a lot. You, Bless you, sir. Who wants to begin? Who wants to begin discussing it? I love the power of the true and living God. Amen. I appreciate that. You know, that he clearly makes a difference and a distinction for the people. So, although they were carried away with idols, right, and... That's all they knew. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. <clears throat> he made a clear difference that he is God to the point that 
the the Philistines could go, hmm, you know, two plus two is four. I recognize and see what's going on. That's not God. This is the real God. And know that there was power with the true and living God versus the mute statues that they were worshiping. Found interesting uh, verse four where it says the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hand were broken off on the threshold, only his torso was left. There's scripture throughout the Bible of you know, the Lord through his own right hand saved himself. And you have this this image, whatever it was made of, was snapped off. Right? He, but the Lord also says, Okay, well, which of your gods can, can raise itself up and save you? And you just, you have their, their God completely dismembered. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to save anything if it's just a torso? Mm-hmm. There's no head, it can't think, there's no arms, it can't raise itself up, it can't, you know, save itself by the strength of its own right hand. So the complete opposite, or exactly, mm-hmm. complete opposite of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Also, go ahead, promise. You can go. Go ahead, I promise. I found it interesting that the Philistines put Dagon and the Ark of the Lord next to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something equal. They thought they had another idol, another. The God, something of that nature, but they didn't recognize that he was different fully. But our God is the real God. What else is that all? It It said that the dragon thingy, if on space, it kind of reminded me of the scripture where it's talking about that all knees shall bow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes. What were you going to say, Kyla? I promise said it already. Oh, okay. Good. Very good. All right, who wants to read uh, 7 through the end of the chapter? It's only 12 verses, so. I'll read it. Okay. And when the men, and when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, "The ark of the ark of God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hands hurt towards us and Dagon our God." Therefore, they soon gathered to themselves all the lords of Philistine, the Philistines. Wait, no. Yes, Philistines, and said, "What shall we do with the ark of God of Israel?" And they answered. Let the ark of God be carried, be carried away to Gath. So they carried the ark of God of Israel away. So it was after they had carried it away that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and the tombs broke out on them. Therefore they sent the ark of God to you. Ekron? So it was... As the ark of God came to Akron, that the Akronites cried out, saying, 
they brought the Ark of God of Israel to kill us, to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the Ark of God of Israel and let go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For therefore there was a deadly, deadly destruction throughout the, all the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And when the man who did not die, when the man who did not die was stricken with tumors, with the tumors, the cry went up to, and the cry of the city went up to the heaven. Mm-hmm. Not to the, to heaven. Not to heaven, yes. It's a lot in there. Good job, sweetie. So, what did you take away from this? What does the Holy Spirit reveal to you? inside of it that I'd say they're kind of selfish they when they saw something happening they decided to try to put their not that it was a bad thing but they tried to kill their brothers I'd say it like that uh, like instead of sending it back to where it came from so that way the Lord was at peace and that he was where he wanted to be, they decided to try to send it to somebody else to get rid of themselves. To me, it kind of reminds me of what Eli was doing. They're, in both of these scenarios, they're just trying to save themselves, not disregarding whoever else died in the process. And finally, one person had the sense enough to say, let us go give it back. And everybody, because they're just playing hot potato. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And they were... Actually, that's the next chapter, so... It is, yes. Well, I don't... I mean, they may have been doing it... I don't... They needed their people. So they thought, oh, maybe it's just our city that that God doesn't like, so let's try this city over there. We still don't want to lose this treasure, right? We don't want to give this back per se but maybe it's just this because that's how they lived right they they worshiped all these false gods and if you know their crop died or whatever you know something happened they felt like oh maybe we just didn't do something right versus knowing god and having a relationship with them so they were like hey well let's just try something else we can still keep it but let's just see if it likes it better over there if god likes it better over there and you're right they should have just given it they shouldn't have touched it to begin with but they weren't thinking about this is the presence of the Lord and truth and reality and depth of what that means and who God is. They only had statues that did nothing but have to be picked up and moved by other people or stand, you know, be stood up or they didn't actually produce anything. It was just to make them feel better. So it wasn't, they didn't understand that God was alive, that God is alive and he's real and the truth. So... Did you have something to say? I'm sorry. It reminds me of the plagues of Egypt. Well, that was the point I was about to bring up. Oh, okay. So so in chapter 4, that we read yesterday, uh, verse 7 and 8 says, uh, 
This is after they recognized that or understood that the Ark of the Lord was in the camp mm -hmm. with the Israelites. It says, so the Philistines were afraid, and they said, God has come into the camp. And we said, woe is us, for such a thing has never happened before. And then in verse 8 it says, woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. So you had already, they had already heard the stories. There was known what happened and they still had the audacity I guess for lack of a better way to phrase it to bring the ark in and set it next to their gods and then they experienced not the same things as it were that the Egyptians experienced but they very did similar. in the form of plagues yeah, very, very of being struck down it was a I found that very interesting. Um, but then the other thing, that, and it doesn't really say what it is here, but it's just a, a question I have is, this says they carried the ark away. How did they transport it? Right, Because the Lord made the statement that if anybody touches the touch ark, it. they'll be struck down. Touch it so I wonder how many like perished. Well, I mean, if they captured it, I'm sure the first... The, is, the Israelite priest brought it on its poles because none of them were noted as being struck down. You know, it wasn't stated that that happened, so they may have brought it with its poles to the battle, you know. And so when they came to carry it away, they were like, hey, these handy poles are there. Thanks, guys. It's true. It's, <laughs> so they yep, that's a possibility. Carried it away as well because they may not have made it very far if they put their hand out and touched it. So I guess we could probably who knows around it's just uh just a thought Sometimes i had that they had some poles there the right poles that go with it as well but i like what you both you and bobby or what charles said about um how they they approach things you brought up how well maybe it wasn't maybe we just didn't do something right let's give it to them there is the other aspect of if you will as a natural saying of misery loves company all right so <laughs> so there is the hot potato aspect of well uh, it is things aren't working out well with me in this situation. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's the natural response? I'll just dump this on someone else's lap, and, and they can deal with it. But we see how the how that plays out, and the outcome of that is looks the exact same in Akron as it did in Gath. Tumors, small and great. The city was experiencing very great destruction. Both of them. Um, so I find that very interesting. Mm -hmm. But it also goes to the Lord's no respect to our persons. He is the Lord mm -hmm. and must be treated with reverence. Absolutely. And respect for who he is. He is God, the creator of all heaven and earth, king of kings and lord of lords. thinking about why would they want to take the ark anyway but then I remembered that they fought the Israelites numerous times at this point and they were defeated and they were like and it also goes to their understanding of the ark of the Lord was in the camp and kind of if you think of it from a natural standpoint if you see somebody cheering over something like if you have kids they get a new toy and they're all excited 
and everybody at the playground's like, yeah, neutral, I would play with it too. Mm-hmm. And it could really just be a stick. What if somebody's <laughs> cheering over it? If some kid's excited, everybody else wants to play with it. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until the other kid drops the stick and leaves that all the other kids mean, goes to the stick, picks it up and realizes it's not all they thought it was going to be. It's similar to the one in the ark. I was like, why would you want the ark? Well, it was, it was beautiful. It was overlaid in gold. Exactly. It was Gems. But um, they didn't even like give it to the king. Well, just they, they, they had lords. They, they, yeah, they had like a lords, but they had well, one that was higher than others. Right, but here's the ordeal with that is they put it in with Dagon, right? But also, it's a wrong perspective. But that they were the Israelites were delivered into their hand, right? Yes. So it was captured like a trophy, and like a trophy, spoils of war. But then there's the other aspect of, oh, their God wasn't strong enough to save them. That was the perception. It was a wrong perception. Incredibly inaccurate. And then, well, they experienced just not even how powerful the Lord is, but some of his power and his, his ability. He's omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. They, I'll say their thought process in the Lord was corrected. <laughs> I mean, where they have to even acknowledge, hey, he's, uh, the hand of the Lord is heavy on the people. Um, but then in verse 7 of chapter 5, it says, uh, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh towards us and towards Dagon, their God. Which is significant. It denotes that what you thought was, and the Lord, they thought he was weak. We found out that is not the case at all. While they didn't have a full understanding of of why he allowed Israel to to lose, right? They just saw things in a natural perception, which was, oh, their God's not as strong as Dagon, or whatever God they were worshiping. Um, I wouldn't say mm-hmm. Dagon, because that's clearly the one where they brought the ark to. Mm-hmm. But then they came to a quick realization that... Uh, that's not the case at all. The Lord is not weak. He is, in fact, incredibly strong. All power belongs mm-hmm. to him. All authority belongs to him. Absolutely. But when you read um, 1 Samuel chapter 4, and it talks about like what they heard, yes. what they thought they heard, they didn't even recount the story correctly. Exactly. They said it was the people that struck the Egyptians. They probably couldn't even gather the concept of how it happened because it was truly God's power that brought them out of Egypt but the people did nothing but get their stuff and run literally they did nothing they had nothing to do with the signs and the wonders that were done in Egypt at that time they had nothing to do with the parting of the Red Sea they stood there Moses had a staff in his hand right held his his staff up his rod up and but it was the Lord that did it he didn't go physically roll the waters back or anything of that nature. So they didn't even, they didn't have a full understanding. A first-hand account, because that's what exactly. they said, this has never happened before. We don't even know. We've heard stories and tales. You know, it might have been like um, Davy Crockett to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> tall tales. They've never seen this thing. So when it came, they're like, ooh, wow. 
wow, and then now it's turned over to us. Maybe God will be with us. That's why they put the treasure in the house of their false god, right? Because they felt like this is our God. Maybe he'll be God to us now, and maybe he'll do things for us if we have this little box because they're used to having idols, right? They're used to thinking the mindset of idolatry. So idols, you got to have a little statue, some little version of it. You carry it around with you. You know, they all probably had little personal day guns in their house or some semblance of it. It's true. And have it with them because it means, yeah, great. God, your, your God is with you, whatever that is. But they thought, hey, we'll put this in there. We'll have, yes, we'll have two gods. We'll have another one. Right? And we know this God did mighty, we heard that he did mighty things. And it looked like, oh, you're doing some things for us. No, because they didn't know the reality and the truth. So it's like they heard a story of a story of a story of what actually happened in Egypt. But then they got their own firsthand. And they were like, oh, this is how their God brought them out. Nobody touched them. You know what I mean? It wasn't a human hands. It wasn't the children of Israel that did anything. All power belongs to God. It was the God, right, of Israel. He's the one who did it. And they were like, oh, we see, wow, we see what happened to the Egyptians. Real life, close up firsthand. <laughs> like, okay, never mind. Let my people go. Send the stuff back to where it belongs. Right? right? Exactly. But then also in this, you also see the relationship, natural relationships, Right, we were talking before about how the Philistines tried to get rid of the Ark. They pass it on to Ekron, but still keep it. Right, and you guys keep it. But still have we're, a we're possession. Gonna, exactly. Yeah, for the, the it's ours, but yeah, we'll just give it to you guys for a little bit. And uh, still for the entire people, like they're um, we did this kind of deal. Exactly, but um, Ekron's account was uh, they brought the Ark of the God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. Mm -hmm. They were like, nope. <laughs> so now that these are supposed to be friends, right? And uh, clearly that relationship is strained. You cannot um, bring in, I'll say nonsense, but um, relationships that aren't in alignment with the Lord. Loving the Lord with all your mind, heart, body, soul, and strength, and then loving his people, his creation. So that's everyone. And then you can't approach relationships outside of that and think that they will they will thrive, that they will do well, that they will be solid relationships. We've seen that one instance, just that one action. Their their thought was, "You're not our friend; you're our enemy. You're trying to kill us." It changed that fast, which is significant. I mean, just think about. And again, in natural terms, the impact it has on the relationship. You think these people are ever going to fight together? Maybe, but not for a long time, right? There's some, some amends that have to take place. There's some things that need to be corrected, made right. First and foremost, the relationship with the Lord, but um, that they were experiencing, and not on the good end. But though we're still revealing who he is, or was, is and was, was and is, to them. Hmm. 
But the other thing I want to point out too is in verse 12. It says, The men who did not die were stricken with the tumors. And this is the key part. And the cry of the city went up to heaven. I find that interesting because these are people that in all intents and purposes didn't know the Lord, didn't have a relationship with him. But clearly acknowledging that there was some wrongdoing somewhere. So for the Lord to hear their, their cry, there had to be some, some type of repentance somewhere. So a, an attempt, if you will, at repentance, but also making things right with the Lord. Who they, they didn't know. But the Lord heard them. And then we'll see in the next chapter how they went to put the Lord back where he belonged. Okay. Amongst his people. So are we going to get into that today? Or? Nope, nope. We're, we're going to do that tomorrow. Okay. We'll go into chapter 6 tomorrow. So we'll end on that note. But... I just want to say, hey, for any of, any of us that are, don't have every aspect of our lives, or we have some aspect of our lives that's outside of the Lord, outside of His will, His nature, His character, let's humble ourselves and repent. Bring it back into alignment with the Lord. He's ready and willing and able to forgive. Mm-hmm. So we have that opportunity. Let's take advantage of that. Let's, let's capitalize on that as as it were and bring things back in and under in submission to him absolutely who wants to close up in prayer Kyla it's got your name all over it all right Kyla in the name of Jesus Lord I thank you for today God and thank you for giving us this understanding and showing us your mighty hand God I ask that you continue to watch over us and those listening, God, and that you guide them through their every day. Also give them discerning in all things, God, and make their path straight before them and so they understand what's going on, God, and mm-hmm. they don't fall off to the side or get deterred. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.